You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, welcome to Extra Takes Podcast, Northland family and friends. I am your host, Josh Laxton, and I am joined by Derwin Anderson and Matt Shiles. Once again, we just cannot get rid of Matt because he's doing such a (laughs) fabulous job preparing all of these incredible questions. So welcome, guys. Glad you're here. Glad to be here. Yeah, Thank glad you to, for having me. Glad to be here. Thanks for uh, not firing me yet. <laughs> I don't think I will, will do that. So, But thanks <laughs> so much for all of the, the work you're putting into this. And, man, I, I just love what you're bringing. And so let's let's keep on diving in. Yeah, let's get to it. So so this episode is going to be two parts. There two parts, is, yeah. There is so much. Um, not that I'm long-winded or anything. So, I mean, I I may have had my wife once or twice in the years of preaching have have her hand be held up and then kind of give the landing, you, you know, gesture to me. Time to so, finish this. Yeah, thing. yeah. Land the but, plane. but not 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 any time recent. I like that. Yes. I like that. Okay. Maybe we can try that in meetings too. No. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> wow, snap. Right. Well, I thought we're, Matt would never some be fired here. From, from extra takes, but now <laughs> I'm rethinking it. Matt. <laughs> All right, let's just move on. Yeah. So we're in our Made for Mission series, and uh, in Jesus and God's mission, this is so rich, the idea of of uh, Jesus being sent and, and us um, being sent as well. So uh, the main text is John twenty twenty one. The main point is, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And as a reminder, there are seven things that Jesus was sent to do that he is sending us back into the world to do. Let me run through these. Uh, Number one, we are sent to dwell among people so that they can behold God's glory. We are sent to preach repentance so that people can change their minds about God. We are sent to teach on the kingdom so that people will know how to live for God. We are sent to demonstrate signs and wonders so that people can get a glimpse of God's kingdom. And the final three, we are sent to search for the lost so that they may be found. We are sent to give up our life so that the life of others may be raised up. And finally, we are sent to send out followers so that the world might know there's a God in heaven. Amen. This is a lot. I mean, there really is rich quotes there. Um, and, and it's not. And I'm not saying that you know in a facetious way, or I'm not saying that because I, I wrote them like there's a lot to unpack there about Jesus's sentness and how he sends his people out on mission. Now, what what is interesting though, and because I'm a missiologist, I mean that's what my PhD is in, and so. When, when we talk about the missio day, so that is Latin missio. Well, so when we see that word sent there in the Greek, well, in the Latin, it's missio. It, it means to send on mission. Mm-hmm. And so, so whenever you talk about mission or missions or missional, the, the root in the Latin is missio, but it actually comes from this idea of sent or sending. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what makes this so rich is that God is a missional God, and he has been sending people out on mission since the Old Testament, which is what I've been 
been trying to kind of get at is that he's going to send Abraham go. He's going to send his people to the promised land. I'm se- I'm, I'm sending you. He sent them into exile. All of this is purposeful and meaningful and missional language. Great. So as we uh, as we start the first question, um, so you used Pastor Josh a couple interesting phrases recently. Uh, shake and bake. <laughs> you use that in eleven o'clock it, service. Isn't that like a in the thing that you can buy, like in the grocery store? You can shake and bake stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there was a yeah. commercial. I I used oh, shake you, and bake, and I helped. Yeah. The yes. Little girl, you remember that commercial? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and then the other phrase was Buck Wild. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you talked about uh, in a couple weeks, Acts one. You're going to be preaching. You say, "I'm going to go buck wild while preaching." So, so how can you go buck wild while preaching? I I, I don't know. I, I think that you know, for 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 me, um, you know, but buck wild is that yeah that expression where I get really excited. Excited. Yes. Yeah. And and the reason I'll, I'll just give you I, I give you a little little glimpse, a little teaser, commercial. What's coming up? In Acts 1. So Acts 1, the reason why I go buck wild in Acts 1 is because I link Acts 1 to the statement we see in Acts 17, where some city officials who are in Thessalonica, they accuse the church of turning the world upside down. And so, so, so what I link Acts 1 to is how God is going to turn the world upside down. And so what he's doing is that he is instituting the gospel revolution. Mm. And so revolution simply means a drastic and far-reaching change in ways of thinking and behaving, or it can also mean an overthrow of the government and an institution of a new one. And seeing what what God is doing uh, through Jesus' death and resurrection and Jesus sending out his people, he is He is instigating the gospel revolution where it is a drastic and far-reaching change in ways of thinking and behaving, mm. and it is an overthrow of a, of a government because no longer are, are we confound under the rule and reign of someone else. We are now ushered into the rule and reign of God. And so, so what I see in Acts 1, oh my gosh, I go buck wild because what we'll look at is how to start a gospel revolution. And that's where I go buck wild. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, so but you, but you got to come because okay. I, I'm not telling you how yet. <laughs> okay. you, you know, yeah, that's just part of it. It's okay, just, great. But I'm just telling you, I'm priming the pump of why I'm going to go buck wild. It's a revolution that we're part of. What, what does buck wild look like for you, though? What What does that look like? Wow. I, yeah. I, I don't know. You know, and it, <laughs> so I don't really know. I've never really been asked that. But <laughs> you know, people. Yeah, because we all have different personalities, right? Absolutely. Like, right. And, and we're right. all different, and and so, and sometimes, like, I know that my preaching style is is it's it's unique in the sense that, like, I just got a lot of energy that uh, that I bring to uh, to my preaching, and. And, and so for me, it I don't even co- I, I'm not even cognizant that I do it. Mm. I mean, and that's why I, I said it at the eleven o'clock service that I really want to be a, a a a preacher and a pastor that preaches under the power of the Holy Spirit. And and again, that doesn't mean that someone who's sitting up there and reading a transcript isn't preaching under. But I I just so because this is where I feel like God uses the style and the personality of the person mm-hmm. as a conduit to bring about his plan. And so for me, that's where when, when I think about Buck Wild, like uh it's so funny because Joni, she always pokes fun at me. Like so when I'm when I'm just a spectator at my children's ball games, I'm quiet. 
Like, I mean, oh. I'm quite like, I mean, I'll, I'll clap and, but Joni, she's the vocal one. Oh, and so, okay. and she's yelling at refs sometimes, sometimes in a very, in a very pastoral wife way. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> whatever that means, yeah, whatever that like. means, whatever that means. But, but if I coach, oh, that's a whole different story. Mm. And, and so, I mean, uh, I'm very animated and I'm very, you know, and so, so yeah, so for me, Buckwild is like tapping more into kind of even that, that, that person personality that comes out and that gets even even more excited about what's happening and so because yeah i mean that's just that's just how i'm wired so yeah, yeah. Who, cool. who god designed you to be maybe turned up a couple notches yeah so. yeah i mean I, th- I you know and i think so and that that's where i would tell anybody like because i've had you know i've had people try to change me over the years and sure i want to i want to grow and i want to be the i want to be the uh the best speaker that I can be, but I don't want to lose who God has made me. That's good. Right. And, and so, so for, for me, like, that's what I, you know, that I'm, I'm really wanting to bring to the table is just who God has made me and just be as authentic as I possibly can. And mm-hmm. so, like, even when I use words like shake and bake, so it is interesting. So I, I didn't use that at Saturday. Uh, I didn't use that at the 9 a.m. service. For some reason, it came in my head and I used it. At the 11 a.m. But in in all honesty, when I think about incarnation and when I think about dwelling among the people, uh, what I'm what I'm actually trying to get at, too, is that we use language that that might even be familiar with the culture. You you know, um, now, again, I I didn't intentionally use shake and bake for that. But when I say Talladega Nights, there is a swath of people out there that that understand Talladega Nights. And so now I'm, I'm making a connection with them. Mm. Like I had somebody, you know, uh, one uh, last couple of weeks, they said, well, I, I could just do, you know, I could just do away with, uh, with your questions, you know, that, you know, these trivia questions that, that you use. And, and, and here, yeah, I get it. Cause for that person, it's not for them. But you have to understand there are there are fifteen hundred people that are in that are that are in person, mm-hmm. and there's another three thousand people that are listening online, and it may be for them. Well, because God, yeah, go yeah, ahead, Daryl. I'll even yeah. comment on that because my middle daughter Shiloh, she is anticipating, she's waiting eagerly for mm. those polls, the mm. questions, yeah, and it keeps her engaged, and she takes notes and this and that. So you know. A lot of this is based on personality and how God's made you and and what draws you in, what keeps you in. So it's 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 good to have the different flavors. Yeah. So go buck wild when you need to go buck wild so that those who may kind of be falling asleep or may not be they, they stay engaged. They're yeah. engaged, you yeah. know? And so that's the beauty of the the body of Christ and God uses our idiosyncrasies, he uses our personality for um for his gospel to be Amen. expressed. Yeah. So it's good. good. I love it. So the next question for both of you, how has your sermon preparation evolved over the years? Because both of you are probably not the same preacher, and you probably don't prepare the same as you did yeah. day one or even a couple years in. So yeah. how has it evolved? Derwin, since you're more ancient. Yeah, I am more ancient. I, I've got you by <laughs> 10 years, so yes. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed. Um, I would say... You know, as I have grown in my understanding of the overarching theme of the scriptures, mm. it it allows for what the, what you're specifically preaching on to not just be siloed to an event in time. Mm. 
but it's a continuum of God's kingdom from, you know, before the cross, during the cross, and then after the cross. That's kind of how I tend to look at the Bible. And so um, when I'm preaching and preparing to preach a sermon, I'm literally thinking about how does this event fit into the continuum of who God is, what he created and and mm. what he created man to do mm. in his creation. And so my sermon prep, I would say, flows more out of that understanding instead of me just focus so much on this siloed text, mm. but it's looking at it from a whole standpoint. And so it, it it's a deeper study, but it's not as um isolated and minute, if that makes any sense. It's it does, it's yeah. kind of looking it at this grand scope instead of now, what was God saying here in this little thing? It's it's connected more to the overall story and theme of the Bible. It does, and that's fascinating because that is that is very much connected to the way Pastor Josh, you um, you teach and you preach is is giving us the the overarching story, and then um, trying to to get us to understand how each of these aspects, each of these scriptures, these books, these points um, fit into it. So, Amen. yeah, I mean, um, and when I look at even the six months that I've been here, I've been very intentional about series, obviously transitions, but but really this is the series that if I really didn't sense like the Lord wanted me to hit on transitions and the nature of transitions, I would have started with made permission. Because everything that we will do f- from here on out f- is connected and flows from God's mission. Like that's that's one of the, you know, when I even look at a, a failure to educate people on what it means to be Christian will lead to a failed mission. Like if you teach the Bible and you teach what it means to be a Christian apart from God's mission, then I, then I feel like you, you've isolated scripture. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, because there's a reason why God wants you to have a healthy marriage. There's a reason, you, you know, why God wants you to experience freedom in the spirit. Like, I mean, there, there's, there's all of it. And, and what we're doing even in this series is we're, we're unpacking that. But what, uh, but what I would say in terms of how my sermon prep has evolved over the years, I, I really do have a, what I call an art to, to my preaching which art stands for something it's my aim it's my rhythm and then techniques you know and so the the aim is transformation so every time that i i really do speak i'm i'm aiming for transformation so i'm so but but to be transformed we have to target the heart that is the central control panel of individuals mm-hmm. and it also northland has a heart so it is the central control panel of northland as a people mm-hmm. and so in 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 order to target the heart it has to be information plus application in the context of community. Mm. And so we, we have to take, here's what the word says. Here's what it looks like applied in the context of community. And then there is a rhythm. So that's why we are actually going on a preaching retreat this week. And we're going to be spending time developing 2023 and the entire preaching calendar. There's actually a rhythm and I could even go deeper into that to even explain that rhythm. But then there's techniques. So if people want to know why, you know, why do I do different? Because even in this, you know, five, six months that I've been here, I, I do. I have a table and I have a chair. And those are very intentional for me. They're, they're, a, they're part of a technique of how I use that chair and that table and how I get up and move and sit. Because if you know anything about communication and people's attention, they're always drawn to movement. If you think about, um, like I was reading a book by Neil Postman, 
uh, years ago, and he talked about how the attention span of of Westerners have gotten less and less and less. And so if you look at movies today versus movies in the 80s, 70s, or 60s, they're shorter frames. And the reason why they're shorter frames is because of the movement to keep your attention. Mm. And so for me, I move my hands, I move my voice, I move around, I sit up. Like all of that is intentional. Uh, sometimes if I can, I bring, uh, I, I brought a yo-yo on Saturday and I forgot it on Sunday. Any, but, but I'll, I'll bring it back for Matthew and Axe and I'll, you know, but, but just demonstrating. So if there is a way that I can demonstrate it through some kind of illustration, like those are all techniques that go into this aim of transformation. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, so moving on, we have a couple uh, quotes from the sermon that I just want to layout. We'll do this in the first part, and we'll also do this in the second part as well. So let me just lay these quotes out and let, let both of you just kind of kind of pick it up and, and talk about it. So the first one, um, Pastor Josh, you said, we are gathered here today not because Jesus taught a lot of things. We are here today because Jesus rose, rose from the dead. Mm. We serve a risen King, a risen Messiah, a risen Lord. And then you follow that up by saying it turned the disciples from little scaredy cats to courageous lions. <laughs> yeah. Um, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, I mean, he's going to talk about it is the resurrection. And that's the reason why we have to concentrate and focus on the resurrection of Jesus. Like he is the first fruits from the dead. He is the first fruits of new creation. Like because of Adam and Eve sinned, they marred creation. They they marred the image of God. And it wasn't it, it, and it wasn't just because of Jesus's death. Yes, he died for the sin of the world. But if he was not resurrected from the dead, as Paul said, we should be pitied because yeah, you can you can die for the sin of the world. But but if you didn't if you didn't rise from the dead as you said you would, you, you're not validating who you claim to be. Mm-hmm. And so through his resurrection, he is validating who he claimed to be that he was fully God, mm-hmm. he was fully man, come to die for the sin of the world and to usher in new creation. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good. I think too, you know, it goes back to as you you know the the quote specifically, this first one. It goes back to this continuum in, in the scriptures. You know, um, creation, and you had this fall, this, and then you had to resurrect from that. And so, what you see back to the studying of the scriptures too, you see this theme of of death back to life. Mm. And so you can't have, now you could not have a resurrection without death, but um, without the resurrection, then there's no life. And so it, it all plays together. And it really, some of these very well-crafted um, quotes that Pastor Josh gives us, it really allows us to see this continuum. It allows us mm. to see a mm. big picture and not this isolated little thing. You know, the Bible talks about, you have to be careful that we are preaching the entire counsel of God. Mm. Well, some of these quotes, you may think that they're just isolated little quotes, but they're painting a picture of the entire counsel of God. And it's just a neat thing to be a part of because in a lot of scenarios, and I'm not picking on anybody or anybody's church or any denomination or anything like that, but we've gone away from talking about certain things in church. You know, we kind of we cherry pick what we want to say and how we want to say it. 
and and it even plays into our music. And there's a lot of churches that no longer will sing about the blood mm. because it's too barbaric and it's mm. too this. And well, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And so it's an important aspect of our faith. And so we we preach about it, but we also sing about it, mm. and not in a way of celebration, but in a way of commemorating and remembering the sacrifice of Christ. And so um, it's exciting to see these things that you look at and you say, okay, do our people get it? Do they get the entire picture that's being painted? Well, yeah, they, if they're not getting it, they're going to get it because there's a systematic approach to making sure that these elements and all of these things get preached and so it's it's very cool to see the whole thing come together yeah. you know yeah and and just to yeah and just even the reiterate of how the resurrection brings transformation mm. like as paul would say in ephesians 2 you are dead in your trespasses and sins but by grace you have been saved uh, through faith. And mm-hmm. so, and it's not any of your doing, it is a gift from God. And so, and all of that happened as a result of Jesus's death and his resurrection. So, so his resurrection brings about the transformation. And so, um, so what you're, what you're actually really doing in terms of how that applies to your life in terms of the transformation is you're constantly asking yourself, this is how I'm asking myself. Like, am I living a resurrected life? Mm-hmm. Am I living out yeah. a new creation? And so because that affects me how I, I'm a husband. It affects me how I'm a father. Like, and that's why, I, like, for me, I'm going to make mistakes. And so a resurrected man, a resurrected husband, a resurrected leader and pastor, if he's made a mistake, guess what he's going to say? I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Or I dropped the ball as opposed to trying to blame everybody else. No, because because the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus has affected me. It's transformed me. And it is transforming me into the new creation. Yeah. All right. What a great point. So uh, the next question is about tabernacling and dwelling. Uh, That really comes from the the first point of we are sent to dwell among people so that they can behold God's glory. Um, So the quote is, the further the church is from the intersection of people's lives, the harder it will be to touch the intrinsic needs of their heart. Yeah, that's that's a low. I mean, this the, the, there, there's a lot to explore there. So there's uh, a whole sermon series in whole, in that, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Th- there's definitely a a whole sermon series, you, you know, in there. But I, you know, thing that I, I definitely want to kind of touch on just a, a little bit more and to kind of explore. Is the you know kind of is the idea of of tabern the tabernacling presence of God being being immersed and identified with a people and a place and in a context? Mm-hmm. Because if you think about when Jesus came, he, he entered into the first century there in Palestine uh, under the occupation of Rome. So so Jews weren't in, so so he knew his 
cultural or his environmental context. Think about the clothes he wore. Thought, think about the language he, you know, spoke. Like he, he didn't come speaking Greek. I mean, in, in, again, in that context, it was, it was Hebrew. Now, what, what is interesting though, when you look at the Greek New Testament, it was written in the common language. That is part of the incarnate, incarnating uh, of God is that he's coming and he's, and he's dwelling among people. And he's trying to communicate. And that's why the, you know, the, the New Testament Testament was written in the Greek language. It was the common language of man, and it was the common language for most of the known world. And so what we're what we take from that as the church is that we are trying to immerse ourselves into a time, a place, and a context. We're going as John would write later, you know, John would write in his gospels, gospel, we will be in the world, but not of it. So what he's talking about is that we're we're going to be the 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 presence of God in the world. We're just not going to let the world we're not gonna let the world influence us where we become of the world. So so that that that's really a huge part of that because I think that what can happen and what has happened in the past is that the church has created these little bubbles. At least in when I say like North America, like I remember you know, growing up and it was a real big thing in the eighties and nineties for Christians to have church leagues. Mm. And so we'll have our own church league. Mm-hmm. And so we'll have you know, a basketball league, softball league, and we'll be separate from the world. Is that really what Jesus did? I don't I, – I'm, I'm of the opinion, no. Um, like when, you know, when we moved away from having a church league to actually trying to mobilize people to go participate in community leagues, there was so much pushback from, from a few people. And I'm like, man, no, go where people that are far from Jesus – where they are and, and do what you would do here, but just do it there, mm-hmm. you know, because Jesus left heaven and came to earth. Mm-hmm. And so he was the incarnate, incarnating presence of God. So he immersed and he identified with people. Yeah, there, there's so much there because we have to feel equipped to do that. We all also have to be ready for it to be messy and for it not to go, maybe not to be as fun, but um, but but really what we see if we follow the model of Jesus, it will, uh, it would be more fulfilling. Yeah, and and the other thing is language. Like I got a couple of quotes here. So Alan Hirsch, he's a he's a missional writer. He talks about God came into the world in an act of profound identification, not only with humanity as a whole, but with a particular group of people. The incarnation thus shows us that God speaks from within a particular culture in ways that people can grasp, understand and respond. And I have written on this and uh, had some articles, and this was actually a couple years ago in the midst of COVID. I, I used a phrase that we need to learn to speak pagan. Mm. Like if you, if you think about it, like it, if we're really going to reach a culture that is far from Jesus, we have to learn to not speak you know, Christianese. Christianese. Yeah. We, we, we got to learn to speak pagan. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and that's something that we have to be willing to wade into. But, but, but to do that, you got to understand them. So that's one of the reasons why. Like, and 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 again, I, I I know that there there will be people that would have a different maybe take philosophy on it. But that's why I kind of immerse myself into the shows and the movies 
that are happening in culture today. You, you know, what are people gravitating towards? Because the music, the movies, and the shows, what I, what I would refer to what they do is that they're speaking a cultural anthropology. They're speaking a theology of what the culture believes about God, what the culture believes about mankind and humanity. It is exposing their desires. It is exposing what they fantasize. When I say fantasize, what they would dream about, like a whole nother realm of metaverse reality. I mean, whatever it may be. Because if I can know what the culture is saying and what they are producing, it allows me now to start building the bridge from the gospel to their heart. And so I can communicate in their heart language. That's what missionaries do mm-hmm. when they go overseas. They have to learn the language because it is it, 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 it requires them to be immersed in there to even understand the nuances of that context. And so much has changed in the West and in North America over the last 30 years. We have to have our pulse on the culture and on their heart so that we can speak to their heart. Mm. That's good. And, and what's fun is that we need to learn to speak pagan, but we don't stop there because we're also holy. We're also called to be set apart. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying go out there and, 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 and um, you, you know, have a potty mouth, you know, speak pagan that way, you, you know. So, I, But when I say speak pagan, of knowing their, knowing their heart language, what moves them? What is their desires? You know, what are they watching? What are they listening to? And so, like, whenever I would use, um, uh, I think a few um, few weeks ago, I used some songs. Oh, and we went through, you know, we went through decades worth of songs. 60, All of those are, world. well, quote unquote, secular songs, which I don't buy into the secular sacred divide, but they were secular songs, weren't meant for a Christian audience. But I use those because, again, the, the, those are ways that the culture is speaking and singing. And so let's use their language and use their songs to help help paint a picture that that would give them a a great kind of picture of God. Yeah. So this conversation is really just beginning, but we're we're going to start wrapping up with a final question of part one. But we will continue this uh, conversation in part two next week. So this final question: um, You said to build your life on Jesus is to be sent on God's mission. Um, my question is, we have really separated the two, haven't we? I mean, for some of us, it is absolutely embedded and ingrained in who we are. Um, but especially in North America, and I feel like the North American church, it seems to be just a select few. So why is that? You want to you tackle that? Yeah, I, I can. It's it's the culture that um, has more become our identity than our relationship with Christ and his character. Um, grew up, my parents are from South America, from a, the only English-speaking country in South America, Guyana. And I remember hearing a lot of music growing up, all kinds of styles. And one style is a style called Calypso. And there was a song that I I could probably quote every word of the song as I heard it so much. But the, the hook of the song says, show me your company and I will tell you who you are. Mm. And mm. literally, I think that we have been so entrenched in the world that our default is the world instead of our default being the things of Christ. And um, Josh, you probably know the reference, but the, the text that says, literally says, bad company, company 
corrupts good morals. Yeah, And you wonder, where's that? Corinthians. Corinthians. You wonder, okay, is that really, really true? Well, yeah, it's true. You know, the reason that you watch the shows and listen to the music, because that is that company is what's forming our behavior patterns, how we think about life, how we think about ourselves, how we think about God, how we think about sexuality. And so instead of the Christian now being the peace that is going into the world and transforming the world, the world has almost become what's transforming us. Mm-hmm. And a nod back to the question before about you know meeting those needs, those intrinsic needs inside of us. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has set eternity or placed eternity in our hearts. Well, what that literally means is we all have this thought of there's something after. There's something after this life. And the Christian is the one who has the answer. The answer is Christ, his kingdom, his coming kingdom, his inbreaking kingdom. So... Because we have so entrenched ourselves, whether it's um, by default or on purpose in the world, we kind of have diffused our witness. And so we have to almost counter that by staying so focused on the gospel, staying so focused on the things of God so that our witness does not become null and void. And it can because we know and I, and I do think that there are seasons for churches. You know, you you look at the Bible and there's a church at Laodicea, the church at Sardis, the church at mm-hmm. Thessalonica. Those churches don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So is it bad that they closed? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. It's not bad that a church closes, but there are reasons why they close. And some of it is they maybe were ineffective and maybe God shut it down. That is a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day. Yeah. Yeah. I've written on that one too. So, um, but so I'll tackle this final question because as you were talking, I was jotting down, I was jotting down my sermon points. Yes. But so, and one of the things that I loved about this, this, this past weekend of breaking it up, because I'm, as I'm over there worshiping these statements come to me, because as we're singing build my life and i'm thinking we're sitting there saying build but if you if you really do want to to build your life on jesus the firm foundation you really will be sent on mission Amen. but what we have mm-hmm. so what we have done is we have divorced the two as if mission is this is this category of if you want to do it no 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 uh, you, you are you are birthed into mission when you are when you are birthed out of the gospel. All right. Amen. So, yeah. uh, but but here's a couple of things that I would say in terms of our culture. All right. What's the largest? Now I know we don't have very many bookstores, you know, anymore that are brick and mortar. But when they were around, and this is still true in Amazon, what's the biggest section in a bookstore? Self-help. Self-help. How about that? So when you look at what many of the sermons have, and, and series, like, I mean, I have, I follow a lot of people. I mean, I was just scrolling through upcoming series. One's doing it on stress. I mean, okay, that's, what is that? What is that communicating? 
That's again, I understand we're trying to speak language, right? But everybody's stressed out. But if, but if you, if you start tackling scripture that just pinpoint stress, but doesn't put it in the context of God's mission, all you're doing is trying to give them what the world's giving them, but just with a little bit of Jesus flavor. Mm-hmm. So, and so, but then it lends itself to now. All right. So Jesus is your self help God for a better life. Mm-hmm. And then, you, you know, we are in an individualistic culture. All right. So it, everything, everything revolves around the individual. So now Jesus is going to come and be your self-help God to help you as an individual flourish. And again, I, I'm not discounting that, but this is how we become divorced from mission. It's like, Jesus, what have you done for me lately? Jesus, I'm in need. Can you help? And, and, and yeah, he can. But what, what happens is uh, Jesus did not come to help us. He came to save us, to send us out on mission of what God's been doing in the world. And so so in some sense, think of it this way. You're not trying to say, Jesus, come help me. You're rather saying, Jesus, I want to worship you that you might be known among the nations. Mm. And so mm. because that, that's a healthier way uh, to look. And then also I'll, I'll end with this. And uh, and so as as Matt gives me my my wife's landing plane gesture, um, I'm going to speak pagan with my other hand. I'm just I'm, I'm hello, just joking, hello, just hello. joking, just laugh in the car, laugh at your house. I'm not doing it. He wouldn't but, do that. But in the in the Reformation sense, church began to be seen as a place you go. So the 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 German word for church meant place. And so over time, that's why when I try not to use the language, we're, we're going to church. No, no, you, we don't go to church. We go to be with the church. And so, and, and again, it's how we frame things. And, and I think that's really what I'm trying to get at because language matters. Language communicates. So like I said, if all you're doing is communicating how Jesus can help you, but not how you've been saved to bring about what Jesus has always wanted, then there's a disconnect. And so we've got to make sure that everything that we do is connected to the mission of God, that he really is on mission to redeem a people from all peoples to reflect his glory in all spheres of life. Great. So more conversation to go, right? But we're going to uh, end part one here. Yep. And we'll pick it up next week. So Northland family, we love you. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.